This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. When we talk about the concept of feeling somebody else's pain, of connecting with them, of building kesher, a lot of times it's easy when we want to do it. It's easy when we love somebody to be connected with them. You know, there's a famous joke, or it's really a true statement, but when you don't like somebody, you don't like the way that they chew, you don't like the way that they breathe, you don't like anything about them. You don't like their clothes, their style, their sense of humor, nothing. You hate everything about them. And the opposite very often is true, that when you do like somebody, when you are connected with them, so by definition, even if they're going through something that's hard, you'll go through it with them. You'll feel their pain, you'll, you'll rationalize that whatever they're going through, you can get on board with it, even if it's difficult and challenging, because you like the person. But sometimes you don't like the person. And then even to, to, to be close with them is not as easy. So there's, there's a story that I experienced through the eyes of a father. A father who I know was an amazing, amazing, amazing Rav and Machanach. And he tells me that his son entered ninth grade. Comes into ninth grade, big, tall kid. He's all excited. He's starting ninth grade. And all of a sudden, he realizes that in his class, he has a kid who's a bully. Like a real, real bully. Every day, you just walk over to people, just punch them in the face, steal their money, you know, rip up their books, rip up their notes. This kid was a real bully. And all the kids in the class got together, and they go over to the Manahel. They go over to the principal. And they say to him, hey, we have this kid. Deal with him. You know, the school needs to deal with him. And the principal sits back in his chair, and he says, listen, children... What do we do when we deal with an achzer, when we deal with a maniac, when we deal with a lunatic? You show a lunatic that if you fight back, he'll stop bullying you. If you fight back, if you go and you punch him in the face, when he punches you in the face, if you go back and you fight back against him, he'll, he'll learn a lesson. So this principle tells the kids, you have 100% permission. Whenever this guy starts up with you, go ahead, fight back. And when I get involved, I'll make sure he's the one who gets the blame. And all the kids in the class, this bully would go after them, and they would just gang up and beat the snot out of this kid. Every day this kid would come in, pick on somebody, and everybody's beating him up. And the principal would get involved, and the principal would say to the bully, you're wrong, this is what you get when you fight with people, you deserve it, every single day. This child, whose father is a tremendous rev, he didn't like this idea. He didn't like the idea of fighting back. And the bully sort of sensed that he was the kid who he could pick on and get away with it. And every day, this bully would go over to this kid and he found that the more he bothered him, this kid wouldn't do anything about it. He could rip up his notes, he could burn his books, he could steal his lunch money. Nothing. This kid would not fight back. So, what was going on in this child's mind? So he goes over to the principal, and he says to the principal after a few weeks, listen, I need you to take care of the situation. We have this bully, he's fighting with me every day, he's beating me up, he's stealing my stuff. And the principal says, don't you know the rule? The rule is you get to fight back, and I'll come to your defense, and the bully will get punished, and you'll show him 
what it's like to be beaten up, to be picked on, and then that's the way bullies learn their lessons. And this kid turns to the principal, and he says to the principal, I know, I know that that's your rule, but what if this kid is not an achzar? What if he's not an animal? What if he's not a lunatic? What if he's not crazy? And the principal's like, what do you mean? Of course he is. That's what we're experiencing here. And the kid says, no. What if he's just a nebuch? He's like, what do you mean? He's like, maybe his parents are going through a hard time. Maybe his parents are, are on the brink of divorce. Maybe he has an issue that nobody's aware of. Maybe he has an addiction. Maybe he has nisyanus, he has trouble, he has things that he's going through that nobody's aware of. Have we considered that? Because if the kid is going through all of that, and he comes here, and he acts out the way he acts out, and on top of that, he gets beaten up, and on top of that, the principal of the school every day yells at him and says to him, this is what you get, then we're not doing our jobs. And the principal looks at this ninth grade kid, He says, I do not believe the words you're telling me. He says, let me look into it. And he calls this ninth grader's father two days later. And he says, I have tears in my eyes as I tell you that I looked into the situation and Nebuch, what this child is going through at home, nobody should have to go through. And what your son brought to my attention that me, as a veteran machanach, for 35 years, this is the greatest lesson in chinuch I have ever learned in my life. It is not always easy to feel someone's pain when you don't like them. But the goal of, of shleimus within our lives, in our relationships, in our avedas Hashem, is not just to like those who we like. It's not just to like those who we already like them. So hey, you know what? I like you already. I'll just keep liking you even more. It's even in those times, those moments, those people, where it is difficult to see their point of view. Where it is hard to understand what they're experiencing in their lives. That's Kesha. That's connecting. That's real. That's altruistic. That's not about me. That's what that person needs in their lives. You know, when I was about 18 years old, I got my license, and I had a group of friends who we decided that on Thursday nights, after Night Seder, Thursday nights, we learned the whole week, Thursday night after Night Seder, we're going to go ahead, we're going to do some extra things on top of our learning. And we got together, we said, what do we want to do? So we said, let's go to one of these organizations, like Tomchei Shabbos, Onik Shabbos, one of these organizations, where they give out food for people for Shabbos, we'll go, we'll spend two hours every Thursday night, we'll deliver a package for people for Shabbos. So this was a little project that we decided to do, we're not telling anybody, little group of guys, this is what we did. Every week, we're going, to, we're going around, we're delivering packages. One week, we're delivering packages, I live in Brooklyn, And driving around Brooklyn, going to this house, go to that house, this apartment building, that apartment building, dropping off all these food packages for Shabbos. And as we're driving down Ocean Parkway, there's this guy on a motorcycle that pulls up next to us by a red light. And this guy starts gunning his engine. 
And he's like, vroom, vroom. He's gunning, gunning his engine. So we're like looking at him. He's looking at us. We're all of 18 years old. And this guy, as soon as the light turns green, he takes off. He doesn't just take off. He takes off on one wheel. And we thought that was the coolest thing in the whole world. So we start driving after him. And this guy starts putting on a show. He's driving down Ocean Parkway, block after block after block. He's on one wheel. He's standing on his seat. He's doing all of these really cool, amazing tricks, block after block after block. And we're following him. Great. The guy gets onto the Prospect Expressway, a highway, and he just starts driving. We look at each other. We're like, hey, <laughs> let's go. This is, uh, this is amazing. And we go after this guy. The guy drives all the way to Manhattan. And we go ahead. We follow him into Manhattan. And then he turns to us. He's like, take care, guys. Hope you enjoyed the show. <laughs> he takes off into the night. And we turn around and we start heading home. And as we're going home, driving, driving, it's pitch black. It's really late. We're way behind. And all of a sudden... As we're driving, I feel like like a clunk in the road. It's like, boom, the car just hit something. I look around, my friends look around, we don't see anything. What do we know? We don't know anything. We're like, all right, who knows what that was? Maybe it was a pothole, maybe it was something. And we, we go, we drive home. I'm dropping off my friends by their houses. And by my last friend's house, all of a sudden the car just dies. And I'm like, that's weird. Car was working before. Car died. We sit there, it's like 2 o'clock in the morning, gunning the engine, gunning the engine. Finally, I get the car to start, drive a couple blocks home, park in my driveway. I'm like, you know what? I don't think anybody really has to know about this. I'm just going to go to sleep. The car is going to fix itself overnight. Mazel tov. I get up in the morning. <laughs> I hear my father trying to start the car in the driveway. It's like, it's not starting. And he's turning to my mother, he's like, why is the car not working? She's like, I don't know. So she says, uh, I don't know. But you know, you need to go to work. Go take a car service. I'll figure out the car. So I come downstairs and I say, you know what, Ma? I'll be a good son. I'll figure out the car. I get the car, tow it over to a local mechanic. The guy flips open the hood. He looks at the car and he says, my friend, this car is dead. I said, yeah, okay, like it's dead. Just make it come alive. He's like, no, no. It's, it's dead. I said, what do you mean it's dead? He says, apparently somebody was driving this car and they drove over a muffler or something really long connected to a muffler that went straight up right through the entire engine. This car is dead. It's not worth anything. The amount of money you're going to spend replacing all the inside parts of this car, you're going to have to just buy a new car. It's dead. It's gone. It's total. There's no car. The car that you see to say goodbye, take a bus home, there's no car. So I come home, and I'm like looking at my mother, and I'm like, this is the story, this is what happened. Um, I think I'm going away for Shabbos. My mother's like, no, you're not going away for Shabbos, you're staying here. Fine. So, comes to the meal Friday night. And it's like that awkward, just waiting, waiting for the hammer to drop. Waiting. Never forget the feeling. And my father makes Kiddush, and my father makes Hamotzi, and I'm just like, okay, just 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 yell at me. Just, you know, just tell me whatever you want to tell me. Just tell me. Get it over with. And my father turns to me. At this Friday night meal, he turns to me and he says to me, he says, Ruben, he says, Baruch Hashem, you're doing very well in yeshiva. We're very happy. He says, last night, you did things that were very good. 
and you did things that were not so good. Keep doing the things that are good. I was like, that's it? He's like, that's it. I was like, what do you mean, that's it? He's like, that's it. You, you, you know, you know. You know what you did right. You know what you did wrong. I'm going to yell at you? Like, what am I going to do that's going to, what's that going to do for you? You know that it was wrong. Don't do it. The things that you did right, do right. The things that you didn't do right, don't do ever again. That was it. That was it. And it dawned on me so many years later that a parent often feels this sense of entitlement, of kibbutz of aim allows me to say and do whatever I want because I am the parent. And that is 100% true. Kibbutz of aim requires the child to respect the parent. But yet at the same time, my father understood that his job, his job is not to stand on ceremony as Sefer Hasidim and so many Swarm bring down. Your job is not to stand on ceremony. Hey, I get to do and say whatever I want. My job is to raise a banner. My job is to go ahead and to teach you to be mechanech you in your own life, not just in your own life, but how to be mechanech your children. Right? There's a very famous pasuk in Mishlei. It says, you know, that if you, if you spear the rod, you spoil the child. And every mechanech is like, yeah, so we just keep using this rod and just keep whacking you and that's great chinuch. But there's an alternative version to this. Is that the rod, the mata, Moshe Rabbeinu also had a mata. And that mata was used to hit things, but it was also used to hold up. And to say, Mi Lashem Eli, follow me, do as I do. Learn through my actions, learn through my deeds, learn through my speech. Instead of me whacking you as you don't look in the sitter, watch how I daven. That is the greatest chinuch in the world. And years later, about 10 years after this incident, I was driving my own car with my father. And out of nowhere, a guy just turned and smashed into my car. And my father said, oh, what just happened? And I calmly got out of the car and I saw it was an 18-year-old, little Hasid Shabachar. And I turned to him and I said, you know, license, registration, let's just talk this through and work this out. And it was very calm. And in a few minutes, we worked out all the details and we were both on our way. And my father turned to me and said, why didn't you get worked up? Why didn't you get all excited? Like the guy, the guy smashed into your car. He ruined your door. I said, because I learned from you. I'm, I'm dealing with a guy who's 18 years old. He just got his license. I learned from you how to feel for him. That's, that's, Kesher is like, it's like, I don't just love you and feel you when I want to, or when it's convenient for me, or because I love you. It's, I'm going to push myself and go beyond what, I'm experiencing. I'm going to do it even when you're a bully or even when you're somebody who I don't necessarily like what you did, you know, at this time. And and there's some people who take the concept of feeling other people's pain and they go, you know what, when people are in pain, I could, I could feel it. And, and I once overheard a couple talking and, and the woman turned to her husband and said, you know, honey, like that family, 
they seem to be so happy. They have nachas from their kids, they have money, they have a beautiful house, and everyone looks great, and it seems to be so amazing. And the husband turned to her and he said, you don't know what sorrows they're going through. And the wife's like, you, you're taka right. I don't know what sorrows they're going through. I was like, what do you mean you don't know what sorrows they're going through? They have to go through sorrows in order for me to feel your pain or your happiness? Why can't we say, wow, I'm so happy for you. You have so much goodness in your life. I am happy for you. I don't need you to go through sorrows for me to go, oh, you just, just, you're going through sorrows? Oh, now I'm here for you. Kashar is, I feel your pain, but I don't just feel your pain, I feel your joy. I'm happy for you. You're happy? I'm happy. You have great kids? Great. You have a great marriage? Great. You have good parnasa? Wonderful. You got engaged? I'm so excited for you. Why is it that it has to just come on the heels of, oh, you don't know what problems they have. It's only if they have problems, now I can start to feel okay for them. Because they're at like a little disadvantage now. Oh, I'm the hero. Oh, is there anything I can do for you? Just let me know. The concept of Kesher is, I, I feel you. I'm so happy when you are happy. When your wife goes shopping, you're happy for her. You got to go shopping. You got to have a day by yourself. When your kids hit a home run in, in the park, you're like, I'm excited for what you're going through. Not like, why didn't you learn another black Gemara? I'm excited for you. You had a good day. I love you. I feel you. I'm happy when you're happy. And of course, I'm sad. And, 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 I, and when I have to tell you something, I'm so sensitive in whichever way the, the, the relationship is going. And it's really the premise behind everything that it's built on, that we're built on. The concept that the Beis HaMikdash is built on the spot where two brothers are walking night after night, bringing wheat back and forth one to the other. One brother who's living alone, he says, my brother who has his ten kids needs wheat. And he's going back and forth. He says, I feel for you. I care for you. And the other brother who says, I have ten kids. They get to help me out. But you're living alone. Let me go bring wheat over to you. And then they meet in the middle and they embrace. And that's the spot of the Beis HaMikdash. Why? Because our relationships with ourselves, with our spouses, with our children, is built on the premise of, I feel you. I'm going out of myself in order to connect with you. That is what the Torah is built on. It's the most beautiful thing in the world. It's, it's like your heart starts to beat for the other person. Moshe Rabbeinu is selected as the one who is leading Klal Yisrael out of Mitzrayim. Because Vayar Hashem Kisar Lirais. Hashem sees that he turns. He sees other people's pain. Hashem sees that he sees the Sineh burning. He sees the Yid getting beaten up. He turns, he feels, he says, I, I want to experience what you're going through. I want to share. I want to be Nisa Ba'ol Im Chavere. Moshe had a lave, a lave Taib. That was his whole, everything that, that made him up. And that's why Moshe is like the Tsar of Torah, which starts with the Beis by Bereshis and it ends with the Lamed because, right, by Yisrael, which is lave, which is the heart. Because the heart of Yid, where you feel other people, whether you like them at this moment or you don't, or they're a bully, or they're your child or your parent, but you understand that in order to be something successful in your life, you have to go out of yourself and connect it to the other person. That is what our relationships, not just with our spouses, but with our children, with ourselves, with Hashem, it's all built on this concept. Paroi, who didn't have this, Vayaksha Hashem eslev Paroi. Hashem turns it off. He says, you don't feel other people's pain, I will not give you the ability to feel other people's pain. The, the heart 
symbol is the symbol of love. Not because it means, what can you do for me? Whether it's a parent to a child, a child to a parent, a husband to a wife, or any other relationship. It's not built on, what can you do for me? Moshe Rabbeinu did not look at Klai Yisrael and say, what can you do for me? He stood there and he said, what can I do for you? And when you have that attitude, then your relationships will grow. But when the relationship is built on the idea that it's in it for me, I don't have to step out of myself in order to feel my wife, my child, this one, that one. Then the relationship is stunted from its infancy. And in order to maximize a relationship, you really have to get to the point where you start to feel the other person. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.